You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Hey, Scott, do you want to fix a movie? Yes, I do absolutely want to fix a movie. Please stop. Never sing again, Liam. Thank you. I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are discussing uh, the 2013 film Frozen. Frozen. Yes, on this on this chilly uh, late November eve. Uh, boy, howdy, it's cold outside. How about that weather? Hey, fellas. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Don't like. Do not like. Every <laughs> winter, at some point, I reach a moment living in Canada where I'm like, eh, why do I live here? This sucks. I hate it. <laughs> and we have no monstrous blonde lady to blame it on. Nope. No, or, do is... <laughs> or do we? Can this be Danielle Smith's fault somehow? <laughs> just... <laughs> she's not blonde, but she's... <laughs> Political humor for people not in Alberta who are listening. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're definitely on the bleeding edge of, of this almost 10 year old movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a decade of this, uh, seminal classic. Um, but yeah, this is sort of, uh, you know, the holiday season fast approaching. We were dancing around which, uh, Christmas or holiday movies we wanted to do. And we're just like, you know what? People have asked for this one. It's, it's everyone's seen it. It's, it's wintry, maybe not Christmassy, but it's wintry. So, uh, this is our offering for. In the same way Jaws was barely a Halloween movie, this is <laughs> yeah. barely a Christmas movie. Look, and we can only do so many diehards. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys done diehards before I hopped on? Uh, yes. Die Hard 2 we did. We did nice. Die Hard 2, yeah. That was, that was one of those famous movies where I just basically praised it the entire time and had no notes for it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, a Frozen, uh, like, like Scott said, 2013, we're coming up on a decade, uh, 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 the, the Frozen Decade. Uh, directed by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee, written by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee, songs by Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. Uh, they married. Uh, based on The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Anderson. Loosely. Uh, loosely, yeah. <laughs> Very loosely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, starring Kristen Bell as Anna, uh, Edina Menzel as Elsa, Jonathan Groff as Kristoff, and apparently Sven, according to Wikipedia. Uh, Josh Gad as Olaf. Uh, Santino Fontana as Hans and Alan Tudyk as Duke. Yay, Alan Tudyk. Mm-hmm. As the uh, Duke. Before we, yeah, as the Duke. That was the mustache guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, before we get into it, I actually kind of wanted to ask you guys because you're your dads. You have kids. You have frozen aged children. Um, I always ask at the top at the top of the show, "Hey, have you seen this before?" Um, so I guess that's my first question: Have you seen this before with your kids or perhaps alone? <laughs> I've definitely seen it before. Nita quite likes this movie. It predates both of my children. 
Uh, mm. Though it does not predate me going to Disney World on a, an adult trip with friends, and uh, there was a big Frozen to do when we were there, and by the end of it, we were already kind of sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, yeah, uh, my daughter catches the "Let It Go" song every once in a while on YouTube. Um, I have sat through the movie once with her, um, uh, which is part of the reason. <laughs> why I wanted to do it. Cause I was like, I watched it. I was like, this isn't that great. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, this is my, this is my second go around. Uh, but my daughter has not reached the, uh, the point yet where she can watch movies beginning to end. So I have not had mm. to watch it over and over and over again just yet. Yeah. Uh, my kids are of an age where they both quite like Coco and Encanto, which I have seen multiple times, but, uh, thankfully, uh, they were a little late to the frozen party. So haven't had to, uh, repeatedly sit through that one amazing yeah this weirdly was my second time watching it as well because i briefly hung out with like a six-year-old for like four hours uh, about five years ago with my ex uh, we were babysitting her nephew and he's like we're watching frozen and i'm like is this just what happens when you hang out with a kid for more than four <laughs> hours you have to watch frozen um it's, it's in the contract yeah yeah uh i guess the question i wanted to ask you though um how, as dads, how do you approach watching movies with your kids? Like, are there things you look for? Are there things where it's like a hard no? Um, how do you handle watching stuff on repeat? Um, like, what what is it like being a dad showing your kids movies? Because I, I don't have kids. I don't know. And this seems like, yeah. Well, I think at this point, I'm just introducing her to things that I already kind of like. So mm -hmm. stuff like Moana, uh, I've shown to my daughter. Um, it's weird because like YouTube kind of like changes the calculation on a lot of stuff because like they they tend to watch like a lot of really short form stuff for a very long time rather than sitting through uh, full movies. I I don't think I've really looked for anything specific in it. In a movie, just like, you know, you know, if it's bright and it's colorful and I, you know, it's got some good songs in it, I think, uh, I think that's generally something that, uh, that she'll take a liking to. And yeah, but usually it's just like, I like this movie. I'm going to see if you like it. And that's about as far as I thought about it. Yeah. I'm in a similar boat. Um, a lot of children's media is very short form. Um, like a lot of the shows that my kids really like are literally 15 minutes long. Um, yeah. And they'll sit and just scroll through like kids YouTube and watch like a dozen videos. And that's fine. Um, because I mean, even in our day, that was the Sesame Street format, right? Like a lot of little <laughs> shorts over the course of an hour long program. Um, because kids have that limited attention span. My son is starting to get to the age where he can really start to um, appreciate and focus on a film. Um mm -hmm. Almost. Uh, and it, it, similar to Greg, though, like a lot of the stuff that's come out lately has been pretty decent quality. And so it hasn't been torturous to watch. Um, again, Encanto and Coco are both pretty good movies. And or at least maybe I just haven't gotten sick of them yet. Yeah. Uh, nice. My son also goes through like phases. So he'll be into something for a while and he'll like watch it repeatedly and then he'll just like stop and get into something else for a bit so i get nice breaks <laughs> I, I i liken it to this have you have you guys ever worked in like you know like a, a mall or retail 
oh, you yeah. know, and and mm-hmm. they always play the same radio station, and it might not necessarily be the kind of music that you ordinarily listen to, but you still kind of like because you're you're stuck with it, you still kind of look forward to certain songs being replayed. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's kind of how I look at you know kids. Uh, programming is like it's like I you know I kind of like pick out the things and the and the kid songs that I actually dig and I keep trying to sort of like uh, encourage her to watch the stuff that I can tolerate. <laughs> yeah, I worked at Chapters Indigo for years, and it really it became like a Stockholm syndrome thing. We're like, well, this is the least worst Michael Bublé song, so I guess I'm into it. <laughs> I'll do you um, one better. I used to sell electronics at uh, Sears. Uh, back when Sears was a thing. And mm-hmm. uh, we had assorted kids' movies that we would play on repeat to demonstrate the televisions because uh, they're inoffensive films. You can just put mm-hmm. them on. So like Ice Age and Shrek, I've seen probably hundreds of times I- nice. in total. And I'm really not interested in seeing them anymore. <laughs> I know that Shrek has some cal- cultural cachet and I've just, I've seen it too much. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, my other question for you, uh, cause you, I know you mentioned Coco and, and Canto, but Coco was a Pixar joint and I love a Pixar movie. I have a really hard time with a lot of the CG, um, Disney specific stuff. Like once you take Pixar out of the equation, I kind of can't get through it. I got 10 <laughs> minutes into Encanto, couldn't watch it. Um, so how does this compare to Moana and how does this compare to Encanto? Which are the di- di- straight up Disney ones? Those aren't. Those don't have Pixar's I mean, fingers on it. Encanto is uh, better. Yeah, I haven't seen Encanto, so I don't know. Um, Moana is, I think, f- one of my favorite animated movies of all time. Uh, so Frozen doesn't compare. Yeah, nice. Moana is also pretty great. Disney's Disney's had a couple good hits over the last couple of years. Um, you should you should try to get through that starting of Encanto. It it is pretty good. Yeah, I'm also quickly checking my notes here. No, Dis- uh, Moana is is just a Disney joint. Yeah. Um, no, no Pixar on that one. Um, so yeah, maybe I, I I'd be more inclined to watch uh, Moana than uh, Encanto. Um, but yeah, there's just like I just find some of the Disney stuff has this like squeaky clean shine on it that that is hard to stomach. I I liken it to Subway sandwich smell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like you can t- you can spot a Disney movie from a mile away, and lots of fast food restaurants have their own smell. But that's like the like McDonald's <laughs> is Marvel, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pixar is Starbucks. They still have a taste, but I like them a little more. Whereas Subway is like kind of trash and its own unique brand of trash. Um, I shouldn't say trash, but like uh, I don't want to I don't want to yuck your yum if you like Subway or Disney movies. Um, but yeah, I just they they look they look like commercials to me and it's a little uh, much to sit through, but I, I've heard such good things. I'll maybe give Encanto a second chance. Um, but also I, I sat through all of frozen. So, you know, who's to say, who's to say um, let's uh, let's go to the trailer and the plot summary. And then we'll, we'll get into our thoughts on frozen summer in the city of Arendelle. It couldn't be warmer. It couldn't be sunnier, but that's about to change forever. Arendelle. It's completely frozen. Cold, 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 A real howler in July. Yeah? The land's covered in eternal snow. 
If we don't do something soon, we'll all freeze to death. You want to talk about a problem? I sell ice for a living. Ooh, that's a rough business to be in right now. I mean, that is really... Mm, that's unfortunate. My lady. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is awkward. Not you're awkward, but just because we're... I'm awkward. You're gorgeous. Wait, what? After nearly killing her younger sister Anna with her icy magic, Princess Elsa's parents, on the terrible advice of idiot trolls, separate the two <laughs> and teach Elsa to hide who she is and suppress her powers. After her parents mysteriously die in a winter storm at sea, not suspicious at all, Elsa must assume the throne, but the stress triggers a magical outburst. Fearing she's becoming a monster, she flees into the mountains, not realizing she's accidentally set off an eternal winter. Meanwhile, optimistic Anna teams up with a rugged mountain man named Kristoff to find her sister and bring her home. They brave the cold, the mountains, pushy troll matchmakers, and an enchanted snowman all in an effort to save the kingdom from the cold and the treachery unfolding in their absence. So, uh, <laughs> Frozen isn't a bad movie. I, I don't like it. Yeah. It's fine, like you said in the chat, Liam. <laughs> it's it's just whatever. Like, it's it, fine. It's perfectly serviceable. But, like, I don't know. There's, there's things that irk me. And uh, fundamentally, I don't buy most of what this movie is selling. Like, I don't buy into Anna and Elsa's relationship because nothing about it feels natural. Like, uh, <laughs> Spoiler alert, one of my big fixes has to do with that, as usual, Greg. <laughs> that's, that's into good. my fixes. <laughs> uh, you know, like, Anna's separated from her sister for, like, a decade, and that seems to have no effect on her. Or yep. how she feels about Elsa, which is just weird. I mean, there could be resentment and jealousy there between the two, and, and instead, there's nothing, right? So I assume that's something that you're going to fix there, Scott. But like, I also don't buy uh, that anyone in this movie is ever in any real peril. Like, you think about like the kingdom, uh, like the inhabitants of the kingdom when everything gets frozen. Like, they seem to weather that fine enough. And then when Anna and Kristoff are struggling against the, the giant snowman and they're dangling, he, the snowman yeah. is dangling them off a cliff, their solution to that problem is just to fall to the bottom, like yeah. undercutting all the stakes that had been initially set up in that scene. Even when they they cop to being like, well, I guess fall, we'll take our chances with falling, he grabs them out of the air just to yell in their face, get out and don't come back, and then lets them to continue to fall. <laughs> like, <laughs> too, pretty toothless snow monster. And, and this one really got me. Like, they teased multiple times that Olaf can melt. And at no point does that actually occur or have any effect on the plot. Right? Like, yeah. there's no sort of, like, sad moment where he has, like, his, like... Um, frosty the snowman kind of moment or whatever and maybe they feel like that's too trite i guess fair enough but like it's just like if you're gonna tease it that much like take it all the way home and mm -hmm. and, and finally um i don't buy the world that the filmmakers have created here it's it's dull and it doesn't feel like lived in and we sort of like touched on this in the when you were talking about this liam in the before the trailer summary is like you know, it feels like it feels like product and that like this movie more than any other Disney movie that I've watched really does uh, feel that way. 
and, and, and like it's not particularly good looking it, it, like particularly when you consider like monsters university came out the same year that this movie came out and it looks infinitely better infinitely better um, weird i i noticed that too I, I it sounds like such a pedantic thing to point out but the cg kind of looks cheap like it, it, <laughs> it not cheap does, but like you can see the edges you can see the like yeah yeah uh, there's something about the character models that really bug me and i and i think it's within the eyes like the eyes uh feel like they're part of the the facial sphere rather than a sphere on their own and like mm. that just doesn't it just doesn't look right to me. And I didn't like like there are some characters where they've done it correctly. Like I think the reindeer looks really good. Sven, I think he looks really good. Um, I think technically Olav looks good, even though I don't I don't totally love that character design. Um, but I think you know the like the fundamentals of it are okay. But all the mm-hmm. human characters just, like don't look great to me. That's. Much like the George of the Jungle one, you've you've I I you've pointed out something I noticed but didn't notice. Yeah, the the eyes look like they're part of the head model. They're not their yeah. own feature. Like the way a nose sticks out, the eye should stick out, and the eyes look more painted on. Yeah, yeah. It like I wrote in my notes that like Frozen to me looks like the cinematic equivalent of a of a knockoff Barbie playset. <laughs> but I but I do prefer. Your analogy to the smell of Subway. <laughs> I think that's yeah, much funnier. Encanto <laughs> looked the same to me, where I was like, this looks like a commercial for a Barbie doll set. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. Um, I, w- look, we're, we're three grown men talking about Frozen. We can dunk <laughs> on this all day. Let's start with what we did like about it. Oh, I think we've already just... started, and we did not start with what we liked yeah. about it. <laughs> well, that's why, not start, but you know what I mean. Let's, let's, let's sing it some praise before we, we rip this to <laughs> I, I like two major plot elements, even if I don't think the plot necessarily sticks its own landing. Um, I, I take that back. The plot kind of sticks its landing. It, it goes where it wants to go. It does it competently. It's just kind of meh. Um, mm-hmm. But I do like that they subvert the whole kind of love, love at first sight love it. Uh, thing with Prince Hans. And I do like that the true love story is a, a love between sisters as opposed to mm-hmm. a, a more conventional love story. I, I think that that was them consciously deconstructing some of kind of Disney's traditional princess mythology and in an interesting way whether or not they succeeded fully depends on whether or not you like the movie i suppose (laughs) but i like that they went there um big time big time one of the best aspects for sure even though this will contradict some of my fixes i did like the music it had a big broadway element uh the the two people who wrote the songs uh have a background in writing broadway music Uh, i'm a theater kid i like a broadway song um Disney yeah. uh in fairness eh, or not Disney likes to bring in Broadway writers now because they always have an eye towards all of their films making it to Broadway now. That's oh. actually something that's oh. legitimately something that they, is in the back of their mind. Oh, They're like if this is a hit, it's going to be on stage. That was the case with Frozen. Hmm. So yeah. yeah. It shows. It really <laughs> it follows it is more like a Broadway musical than a Disney musical. Disney made bank on The Lion King, on Beauty and the Beast. Uh, and so nowadays, yeah. every movie they come out with now uh, definitely has an eye towards, could we then adapt this to Broadway? 
Oh, the calculations you make when you're an entertainment empire, eh? Yep. Yeah, really. <laughs> um. I like the sequence with the was he kind of Swedish, the Swedish sauna guy? Uh, yeah, there's some decent jokes in the movie. Yeah, I thought that was kind of like when the movie was sort of at its funniest because you have like, uh, you know, we have this this gruff Sven character. No, not Sven. What was his name? Kristoff. He comes. Christoph. He Christoph. comes in and like him and Anna have some has some immediate tension and the the uh, Swedish guy is kind of playing referee between it all and stuff. That was fun. That was kind of a neat sequence. Um, the Let It Go song. That sequence is pretty good. Uh, that's the best song I think of the uh, of the whole movie. The rest of the songs I did not like at all, but that one I'll admit is is pretty good. Interesting, because I I quite liked the matchmaking troll song. It was kind of like kind of fun. It had a plucky. It was catchy. Uh, the he's a fixer upper, whatever. Um, the other one when uh, Anna and Hans are meeting. Um, and they're kind of like, oh, we finish each other's sandwiches. That one is, I, I like that one. But specifically, and unfortunately, it's going to lead into me complaining about something. But my favorite song in the whole movie is Olaf's uh, song about wanting to experience summer. I just thought that was very inspired. This whole thing of he's like, well, I'm a snowman. I wanna, I've never seen summer. I want to see summer. Not knowing he's going to melt. It was probably, that was my favorite bit of the whole movie. I found that really endearing. And then Olaf proceeds to be probably the least funny character I've seen in an animated movie in years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, yeah. I was so grateful for the Swedish guy you mentioned, because I'm like, this man, uh, Olaf the snowman is carrying all of the... Uh, um, you got big Jar Jar he's not. Yeah, he's got big Jar Jar. Oh, man, I'd, that's not fair to Jar Jar, man. Like, that's... <laughs> Um, like all of the characters have funny moments. There's, there's scenes where each of the characters says or does something funny. Um, Kristoff talking about, you know, Hey, you just met this guy an hour ago and you're going to marry him. Anna's a very likable, uh, relatable main character. So she's got some funny moments. Um, you know, f- uh, funny situation she finds herself in. Holy shit. Every joke that comes out of Olaf's mouth after the song is like, broad as broad can be going back to what i was saying in the ghostbusters episode i hate it when jokes are explained or like telegraphed from a mile away good lord does he not say anything funny <laughs> <laughs> I, you know it's it's funny the way that that character kind of shows up because when anna and Christopher are walking around uh or walking towards or up the mountain towards uh, Elsa's mm-hmm. palace. There's a moment where I literally thought in my head, this movie needs like uh, like a plucky, you know, sidekick or something to like because these two characters aren't that interesting together. And then suddenly Olaf appears out of nowhere, and that just <laughs> kind of made me laugh that the movie was thinking the exact same thing I was thinking <laughs> <laughs> right at the same time. You know, there's there's parts of. Uh, there's parts of Olav that kind of work. I think it's I think it's really funny to have a snowman character and a reindeer who wants to eat his nose. I think that that could have been worth more comedic beats than they than they chose to use it for. But that's like ah, it's a little clever thing that they snuck in there. Um, you know, it's a uh, and they and they smartly established that he likes carrots right off the bat. I think when the first time you meet him, right? So yeah, 
Yeah, it's, I don't know. It, like the the character could have been good. It's just like it wasn't. And I think at least part of the reason for that is that he just appears out of nowhere. Um, there's no really co- no great context for his appearance, other than like, oh, do you remember Olav? That's the thing that Elsa. That's the snowman that Elsa made for Anna or whatever. I I don't know. Like it just doesn't. He just doesn't work, and he doesn't. He doesn't have anything to do. I think is probably the biggest problem. Is that he doesn't? Yeah. He doesn't. He just kind of. He just kind of rolls around and gets gets thumped, and and the movie thinks it's funny, but it isn't. Um, but he does has no bearing on the plot, and like you, you, you probably want that character to be part of pulling the heartstrings at some point, and he doesn't serve that function either. Maybe if he melted. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Easy. <laughs> just have a melt. <laughs> uh, another positive point just to throw out um, whether or not you like the characters. I do think that the voice cast is pretty solid. Oh yeah. Sure. I don't yeah. think anybody phones it in. I think everybody's well cast. I like great. They're great. They're great together. Yeah. I mm-hmm. like Kristen Bell a lot. Um, yeah. As I mentioned when we read the cast list off, it's Alan Tudyk is great. He's, he's a, he's an excellent voice actor. And I think he's sort of like little known as a voice actor. Um, but he just because his his voice is so unrecognizable uh, he's, uh, when he's doing voice acting, he started to uh, like step up to fill in the role that Frank Welker will one day leave. Mm-hmm. In that, especially in Disney movies, if you hear an animal noise, it's probably coming from Alan Tudyk. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he was like the chicken in Moana or something, wasn't he? Yep, he's a toucan or two in in Kanto. Like he's he started to do animal noises, which I mean. Yes. That's that's Frank Welker's business. He's <laughs> Fred Fred Jones from Scooby Doo and every animal you've ever heard on a cartoon, <laughs> except those played by Alan Tudyk. And he's also Megatron, uh, and Nibbler. Oh yeah. While we're while we're on the subject of animals, actually, and going back to Sven a little bit, there's a trope that's prevalent in Disney movies where they're like, you know, what's a relatable fun animal? A dog. So what if? The animal that's supposed to be fun and relatable is basically a dog. And uh, <laughs> Sven is a dog. Like, Sven is a yeah. dog, right? Like, yeah. he's a dog dressed as a reindeer. He's a dog. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do that a lot. <laughs> what if this yeah. pig was a dog? What if this <laughs> raccoon was a dog? What if this footstool was a dog? What if this what? elephant in the jungle was a dog? What yeah. if this dragon was a cat? Right? Like, the, yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's an easy way of getting people to sort of relate yeah. easier to those animal characters for sure. Yeah. Lots of people have dogs. Not a lot of people have reindeers, but yeah. <laughs> Only one I can think of and he's got eight of them. <laughs> I have to imagine that a reindeer would be uh, an asshole of a pet. <laughs> I think yeah. they'd be very much fun. <laughs> I did like the way he sort of, instead of making him a talking reindeer, they just had, uh, Christoph, like, talk for him. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the way good. I do to my cat. It was a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, like, there's lots of little things to pick out, uh, Frozen. Like, it's not an entirely, uh, like, it's it's certainly a, it's a fine. watchable film, yeah. yeah. It's, and it's it, a it, fine middle-of-the-road Disney film. And, and you could argue, like, as a kid's film, that's kind of, like, it's served its purpose at that point. Like, they, like, as long as um, it's got some moments for for kids to cling on to. That's all they really need, and it shows because 
uh, Frozen is like its own cultural institution now, right? So they've they've done their they've done their job, even if the even if the bulk of the movie is kind of just uh, eh, okay. But of course, from a from a screenwriting perspective, and from uh, adults having to watch it, there the the plot definitely has some holes, some oversights, some oversimplifications. Um, do we want to just get into our fixes now? Then we want to talk about what we do to to uh, tighten this up and make it a, a film parents would be more happy to watch a hundred times. In Alberta, you get to choose where you buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference in their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kazaski. And we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough, and they understand that business owners in Alberta are busy. Let Alberta Blue Cross give you peace of mind with a group benefit plan. They offer health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Alberta Blue Cross group benefit plans are easy to manage anywhere, anytime, and on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. I can speak from personal experience. My employer uh, provides us with a Alberta Blue Cross group benefit plan, and it's easy as heck to go in to the website, get my claims, find out when they're coming, get direct deposit. Uh, personal, personally can advocate. It's it's easy as heck. Uh, I, I appreciate that my employers uh, use it. Would you believe I don't podcast professionally? <laughs> To, to learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We're talking Frozen. Uh, Scott, how would you how would you improve this from a, a narrative perspective? Well, uh, a, a script perspective. The flaw, the glaring flaw that I see in this movie. Uh, and Greg touched on this right off the top is the relationship between Elsa and Anna. And the reason for that is because it's entirely one-sided in this movie. Anna chases Elsa for the entire film. And if you're trying to tell a story about sisterly love, to me, it needs to be reciprocated earlier in the film from Elsa. And it's not Anna chases her from the moment, from the time that they're kids and Elsa gets closed away by their folks to the bitter end of this film when she sacrifices her life for her. And Elsa doesn't reciprocate until that point. And I get that they're trying to say, well, Elsa's showing her love in a different way by trying to keep herself distant to keep Anna safe. That doesn't work for me. It needs to be reciprocated. And so my, and this is a really rough fix. But I feel like rather than have Hans go and capture Elsa, you have Kristoff and Olaf go to Elsa after she's injured Anna again. And rather than have her life be in peril because her heart is turning to ice, have her turning into metaphorically an ice queen. You have Elsa's magic freeze her heart. And now because it's magic and it's fantasy... Anna no longer cares. She goes back to Arendelle and she no longer cares about anything. And so the the bad actors in Arendelle can still do stuff because they can make use of an Anna who no longer cares. Kristoff and Olaf recognize this isn't Anna anymore. 
And and Elsa's magic has done this. They go back up the mountain and tell Elsa what happened. Elsa takes responsibility for it, and she willingly comes down the mountain to try to help Anna, to try to undo what she did, to try to take responsibility for her magic being out of control and try to like actively get it back under control. And then that means in the back half of the movie, you have Elsa chasing Anna rather than Anna chasing Elsa. And you can still build up to the big climactic finish, the same finish where the true love between sisters melts the frozen heart, right? But yeah. I, I feel like it if you let Elsa reciprocate the love and take responsibility for the damage she's done earlier in the film, she becomes more sympathetic, and the relationship between the sisters works for me better. So... Yeah, like that's I, that's kind of my rough idea. I, I don't I love, have. I love that. Yeah, I I I think you're absolutely right. Um, I I can even it kind of spins into my fix if I can if I can go, Greg. One sure. of one of the problems I had with it was the the villain, um, Hans and the Duke, the sort of two bad actors back in the in uh, Arvindale, Ardendale, whatever it was. Arendelle? Whatever the, the I may kingdom. Have, I may have misspoken. Back in the I, kingdom, Rivendell. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, so those, those two characters, I, I, I thought the foreshadowing was very poor for Hans's heel turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it coming just cause I'm like, well, this movie needs some kind of yeah. a, like, it's weird that she just hands over the keys to the kingdom and then leaves. Um, uh, so of course that guy's gonna do subterfuge. And my, my, my simple note was just like foreshadow that better, even though I saw it coming a mile away because I'm an adult uh, <laughs> watching this movie. Um, I understand tropes and, and cliches. Um, but I think it, you could have you could have hinted at Han's misdeeds better. But with your fix, Scott, he you, you still tease it out a little bit. And then, yeah, uh, instead of being literally blasted with ice magic in the brain, she's metaphorically frozen in her heart, and she sits there while the Duke and Hans run roughshod over the kingdom. Yeah, because she no because longer she cares. doesn't give a shit. That's Be- that, that, way better. Yeah, because because her heart is frozen, and then yeah, and then Kristoff and Olaf have more motivation to act in the second act because they're like, yeah. this isn't the girl we met. Something's up. Yeah. We're gonna go back and talk to that ice queen up on the mountain and see what happened. And then when they tell that that means that they're the impetus to get Elsa back down the mountain, and she doesn't get captured. She has agency. She's like, oh crap blocking myself away didn't do anything. It just hurt things worse. I need to go and make things better. Yeah. It's, it's worse to isolate yourself and turn Anna's heart yeah. to ice than yeah. it is to bl- literally blast her with magic. Yeah. Like self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Yeah. Like thematically that, that works really well. And, and I think importantly, you've, you've identified the, the, the major issue with the, the film is, is that nobody really makes a, a like a choice and change. Yeah. Uh, in the end, like like we were saying, like Anna Anna's journey is the same throughout the entire film. She's always chasing Elsa, and then in the end, she does exactly what you expect her to do, which is to sacrifice her, herself. Like she doesn't, she's at no point in the film are you like like Anna wouldn't sacrifice herself. You know that yeah. she would implicitly, um, and and Elsa's just kind of like along for the ride. So your fix very, quite eloquently fixes the problem with Elsa where she doesn't have any sort of, any sort of change to make or any sort of emotional journey. Yeah. And I think, I think this works for it and you can still, I think you could still have the big third act climax be maybe Hans and the Duke are trying to stop Elsa from interfering and stop her from fixing Anna because uh, an ice hearted Anna is someone they can control. And then that 
that showdown snaps Anna out of it long enough that she makes the sacrifice. So sure. you still have have her step up in the moment when you think she wouldn't. Her love for her sister still comes through. She sacrifices herself. That melts her heart. Yeah. And yeah. and then Elsa's made a journey. Anna's made a journey. Everybody's had a journey. The <laughs> yeah. bad guys get defeated. I, I, I think it's interesting that you went that way because initially I had thought that I wanted to give Elsa that sort of arc where she got to make the change. But then when I started putting down my rewrites, I ended up, I ended up changing Anna more. So like, so I'll just go through what I thought I would do. So before you do, I have, I have one question for Scott about this, about this pitch, just cause I I don't want to lose this thought. Sorry. It is relevant to what Scott pitch in this version that you've suggested, Scott, do we lose the subversion of the like true love's first kiss? No, actually, it's an act of love. Like, is that harder to telegraph? I don't is think that so. harder to? Nope. I don't think so because I think that you could still, uh, an act of true love, you could still have maybe Anna perceive like Kristoff came up the mountain with Anna the first time before she froze her heart. So maybe there's something there. Maybe Olaf, who is nothing but pure love for, for Anna. Maybe he can do something like her. Her goal, I think, is to get them back down the mountain to do something, not realizing that it's sisterly love that's going to do mm-hmm. the trick. Yeah, I think it would just take a little more clever writing to get that yeah. idea across I, to, I think to you can an still, audience of all ages. But I think you it's can still, still get that there. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, Greg. I just want, I didn't want to lose that. Oh, no, 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 no worries. So I thought oh, my changes kind of like start right off the top, which is um, I didn't love like the friendly troll family um <laughs> I, thought, like, I did i so the first thing i was like i was like ah, i want to do something with them so and so the, i, I want to get rid of the that troll family and replace them with a single giant troll who is menacing uh mm. so when anna and elsa's parents approached the troll uh, for help it feels more like a deal with the devil kind of thing the troll uh, tells the parents that like there will be consequences to changing Anna's fate, and they choose to go ahead and make the sacrifice and later die in that freak ship- shipwreck, right? So that way, like the whole thing starts to become about sacrifice. Their parents made the sacrifice. Now, eventually, someone has to make you know the sisters have to sacrifice uh, for each other. Uh, but this does like two things that like it, it'll uh, make the initial incident more exciting and dramatic, in in my opinion. Um, and it sets up the idea that sorcery is dangerous and reinforces the need for Elsa to hide her gifts. Because I, one of the issues I have is that the sorcery is like frowned upon in this universe, but like you, as we as the audience don't really get a sense of like why or how, like why the townsfolk are freaked out about it, other than just like, oh, I guess like it's just unnatural you know so reinforcing that i think a little bit helps and and then you can have like townspeople like whispering about this troll in the forest and stuff like that or whatever and that could set up a second meeting with them um the second thing i would do is is to not separate anna and elsa as they grow up so instead anna Mm -hmm. uh healed and unencumbered is uh out enjoying life while elsa has to remain isolated to protect anna and the kingdom from herself um, so this fuels like resentment in Elsa um, that all ultimately explodes when Anna impulsively and selfishly decides to get married to the person she's barely knows. Right. Yeah. So the whole thing is just like building up Anna as kind of like this sort of aloof 
person who's not really super in touch with like Elsa's needs and kind of a little bit selfish that way, you know, you know, she has to learn to understand and respect Elsa's sacrifice. Um, and that allows her to make like that choice and change at the end, uh, when she sacrifices herself, uh, in the end by protecting Anna. So she's the one who gets more agency overall in, in my version. So I, I like, I like, I like Scott's fix quite a bit. Um, I, you know, I'm not uh, necessarily married to one or the other, but, uh, um, and I mean, there's definitely elements of yours that can certainly be easily massaged into mine. Sure. I, I love the, the more dangerous troll in particular. I think that's really good. The deal with the devil kind of undercurrent and the danger involved in the magic, ties into her freezing Anna's heart in the second act of my version. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and like the idea that like it's dangerous and then it turns Anna evil, uh, in like in your version that actually kind of goes really well with that. There being, uh, yeah. So I I just like the idea that like the kingdom is a little bit more perilous. Right. Cause I, I think that that when, when the entire, when the entire land gets, gets frozen, it feels like the entire, the entire kingdom is attacking the, the, uh, the, inhabitants instead of just the, just Elsa herself. Yeah, and it's I mean there's it feels like there's some good stakes there as well. It's not just Anna's going to die and some jerk is going to take over. In this case, it's Anna's heart's been turned to ice and she's going to go back and be a, like a terrible queen now. Right. And let yeah, and let yeah. bad people rule the kingdom. Because yeah, Elsa's going to continue to be selfish, right? yeah. 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 Like, because her frozen heart is going to just amplify all of her worst traits, right? Mm-hmm. So if she's established to be maybe a little selfless and a little careless at the beginning, not dangerously so, but then that gets amplified when her heart gets right. frozen. Right, yeah. 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 Yeah, and gives a, a much more meaningful role for the the, <clears throat> the villains to do. Yep, and it, yeah. and it gives Elsa the agency to come back down the mountain herself to try to fix what she broke. Because at the moment, she gets kind of a free pass in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I like you said something earlier about using, like, maybe Olaf has something to do with that. Like, he is the symbolic manifestation of their love somehow. Like, it just gives them yeah, something to do. Yeah, because he was, he was the snowman that they built his children before all yeah. of this started. And so, like, I like the idea that maybe he he does kind of represent that sisterly love. And yeah. so maybe, maybe that's why Elsa thinks to take him back to Anna. Cause maybe you can do something, but it's not him in, in, if, in, if, if anything, Olav is bringing her back down the mountain so they can reconnect. Right. Yeah. So right. he, yeah. he gets a little more to do. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I dig all of that. Um, my fixes, uh, other than the villains, uh, just kind of foreshadowing that better. Um, we're much more, uh, specific. I know this is set in some sort of fake northern European, like uh, you know, kind of Icelandic, Scandinavian, Scandinavian kind of, kind of yeah. looking. Um, but there is no need for all of the character models to be white. Sure, yeah, I was definitely Every, there that, is yeah. not a person of color in this entire movie, and there's no need for that. It's a made-up world. It's a fantasy world. As I understand it, they do kind of address that in Frozen Two. There are some some characters of color, I believe. Well, that's because probably someone pointed it out and they're like, oh, fuck, you're right. <laughs> um, that was just very glaring. I'm like, it's a cartoon and yeah. it's in a magical world. There is no need for all of these people to be white. Um, so that was just a really easy fix, uh, but an obvious one. Um, and then my other one was the songs. Um, 
because a lot of the, the they are good songs if you like Broadway music, but they are bad songs if your kids really like them and play them on repeat. <laughs> um, and early on in the movie, it starts with like chanting. It starts with this very mystic, mm. um, uh, uh, non-English chanting uh, that I found quite endearing. I thought it gave it a real air of mysticism. Uh, and then we go right into these like Broadway hits. Uh, right. And so Disney has a history of hiring known musicians to write the score, right? So Elton John, Len, uh, uh, Lion King, uh, uh, Phil Collins, uh, Tarzan, etc. And Ma- um, Manuel Miranda, precisely. Um, brought, brought, you know, Broadway guy, but still. Um, so there is uh, a band. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, called uh, See Her Rose. Uh, they're an Icelandic band. They're fairly famous in certain circles. Um, Sigur Ross, if you read their name phonetically, some folks might not know. Uh, See Her Rose is how you pronounce it, but Sigur Ross uh, might be how you, you know them. For people. Recognizable if you've only ever seen it written. <laughs> and their whole shtick is that they bounce between singing in English, singing in Icelandic, and singing in their own kind of like made up gibberish language. Um, in a way that's very endearing and haunting and is sort of like their claim to fame. Um, I'm just going, I'm in the Wikipedia here to make sure. Uh, non-linguistic vocalizations, the band has termed Von Lenska. Um, they just have their own like language they like to sing in. Uh, and I thought it would be interesting if you maybe let them take a pass at some of the songs. Sure. Uh, kind of interesting, kind of weird. I don't know if it's a fix, but I just, when I heard that chanting, I was like, is See Her Rose working on this soundtrack? Um Make of that what you will, but just I was like, "Where's where's my Phil Collins? Give me Icelandic folk rock <laughs> band See Her Rose uh, doing their weird non linguistic grunts and chanting." Uh, <laughs> could it could have made for a, a slightly more unique take on Let It Go? <laughs> you know, I I kind of wonder if because there isn't really star power behind this movie right like i mean Kristen bell's in it but like at this time she's not a big star i kind of wonder mm-hmm. if frozen was a bit more of a surprise hit for disney i that think it kind it of was. took them back yeah that that you know because i'm I, i'm willing to bet like if i watch frozen 2 uh it'll look a lot better <laughs> and look like <laughs> it has more money behind it though accord it, it does according to anita look better uh, but as that a movie, is it's it. not better. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Anita, who I, I, does like Frozen quite a lot, uh, did not care for Frozen too. I think I've heard other people say that as well. Um, does it? Does, I wonder if it. Has, I'm just checking right now to see if it has more star power behind it. Not really. I got Alpha Molina's in it, but no like slam dunk names. It's, they didn't. They didn't get Chris Pratt to voice Mario for it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way ahead of its time. Yeah, I think we've uh, we've certainly fixed this. I, now I'm interested to watch uh, Frozen Two to see if everyone else came to these same conclusions, and that's what what Frozen Two is. It's just like, oh, here's here's Frozen, but better. <laughs> yeah, um, I say that like I'm interested, but there's hell will freeze over before I watch Frozen Two. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll watch Encanto and Coco and Moana first. Um, uh, maybe even the one about the pants. I haven't seen the one about the pants yet either. 
but our our list uh, let's go to listener comments uh now our listeners obviously had some thoughts thank you to everyone who contributed we appreciate it when you share your thoughts with us new perspectives always welcome Danica LeBlanc says, less to zero singing. My God, those songs were the worst part. <laughs> Me and Danica agree. I, think- I, don't know, I don't know if nonverbal Icelandic made up chanting would improve it, but it, <laughs> at least a lateral move. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of the current kind of backlash against a lot of the Frozen songs is actually due to how overplayed they are. Mm-hmm. Um more than their actual quality. They're objectively pretty good, but I mean, we've all heard them a million times and they're not that good. <laughs> Josh Scar says, ooh, that's the son of Hulk. Uh, <laughs> Josh Scar Josh Scar says, uh, at the very least, you need to rewrite the King's interpretation of Pabby's warning for little Elsa, either by making Pabby's warning more cryptic or have him intentionally mislead the King because he can see the future and knows this is the only way to truly save Elsa. That's kind of what Greg touched on, the idea that the the troll is a little more um, dangerous, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I also... I had completely forgotten there were trolls in this at all until the <laughs> second time I had watched it. And I noticed they, obviously this came first, the trolls in the Trolls movie from DreamWorks, Trolls and Trolls World Tour, look a lot like these trolls. And I wonder if that was deliberate. Like, in the because this is such a big movie, like you say troll to me, I'm a Dungeons and Dragons guy. I think of like a regenerating ogre monster. Mm-hmm. Um, but because this movie was so popular, I wonder if DreamWorks assumed that in the popular zeitgeist, trolls look like this, and well, then made their trolls movie look pretty damn similar to these trolls. Wasn't DreamWorks' trolls more based on, like, the little troll dolls? Yes, but those, they don't look anything like the little trolls, other than the, really. like, the, the little troll dolls from the 90s are their own thing. The trolls in the DreamWorks trolls movie look like these trolls with trolls from the 90s wacky hair. <laughs> That's fair. I just wonder if that was deliberate, if they were either kind like of riding the you know, frozen train, riding the frozen train, or just like trying to to piggyback on um, an already understood aesthetic for modern troll cartoon trolls. Maybe, yeah. I love this podcast. I love the conversations <laughs> we have. Um, as that sentence came out of my mouth, I'm like, this. I love this. <laughs> uh, Tax says first. Punch up the dialogue, make the characters fun and relatable to contrast the icy cold outside. Next, we need more scenes of the lodge to get a better sense of the geography. Really dig into the dire hopelessness of their situation. And if we're going to have an R rating... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Elsa needs to gack some people. That's what Aaron and I were thinking Like when, when she's in that scene where the uh, the guards come up to her palace or whatever, and she's got them like... Uh, lined up against a wall with a bunch of ice like icicles and we were ju- we were both just like yeah just stab them get them <laughs> yeah it gets uh, uh it gets intense yeah those two the two weird guard guys who are working for the duke yeah yeah uh, i also just agree with tack punch up the dialogue specifically olaf um i i hated every joke he made <laughs> some someone should have taken a pass at his material or it, yeah, it's just, it was just so broad. It was crin- cringy broad. Well. Andrew Craig says, fill it with terrible fucking songs my kids only want to hear once instead of every night for three damn years. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Are your kids fans of Icelandic folk band See Her Rose? <laughs> Need to introduce them to Are that. You? There you go. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think we identified some some flaws in the movie, and we we gave a good pass at fixing them. Some good yep. listener comments. As did our listeners, yeah. 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 I hope like people like I hope when uh, l- listeners pick up on this one that that um cuz uh, you know I heard a few comments that, that like oh you know this is this is not a great suggestion for your for your podcast but you know it's like we we always kind of find a way you know and, and like and yeah. sometimes like sometimes movies like this where like you would assume that there's um, nothing to to bend or or correct about it or whatever. Like sometimes those end up being the most fun to play with because a lot of the main a lot of the elements are there and having fun rearranging them. Um, whereas sometimes with a with a worse movie, it's more difficult because you've got to invent new devices yourself. But this one just has like yeah. things that you can that's already there that you can already rearrange and put in better places. Just needed to tighten up the bolts on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if it's not uh, necessarily better, um, as you were describing that, Greg, I was thinking about old Lego sets, how they'd be like, here's the Lego set, follow the instructions, but also with the pieces included in this kit, you can do a variation on it. Yeah. It's a, it's a slightly different pirate ship or a slightly different yeah. Hogwarts castle. Um, Maybe that's what we've done here. Maybe this is a lateral move. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it. you're correct. It's fun to rearrange the pieces and see if you can improve it with what's in front of us. Um, as opposed to like, oh, it's for just for fucking... Huh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you again to everyone who commented. And of course, please follow us on social media, uh, facebook.com slash I have some notes at I have some notes on Twitter. Still around. When we did the New Mutants joke or New Mutants episode, we were joking that uh, Twitter's going in the tank. Still technically exists. <laughs> we haven't migrated to Mastodon or whatever yet. Um, uh, and of course, we're on Instagram at I have some notes pod. Don't forget to put the pod in there. Um, we we couldn't secure I have some notes on Instagram. Actually, funny <laughs> story. It is we, we did, we ha- but we Greg forgot the password. Yeah, so I can't oh. get into it. <laughs> I didn't mean, didn't mean to out you, Greg. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so if you know my password circa <laughs> 2019, I would love to hear it. Incredible. Um, and of course, wherever you're listening to this, please give us a subscription, a rate, a review on your favorite podcast app. Hey, Frozen is a musical. You might like other musicals, perhaps even Stephen Sondheim musicals. You could check out Putting It Together each episode. Kyle Marshall and a guest take a deep dive into a different Stephen Sondheim song. You can check out that and more right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And tune in in two weeks uh, when we'll be taking on our very first Edgar Wright film, which almost feels like sacrilege, but uh, we'll be uh, taking on Last Night in Soho. Yes, this one was recommended hot on the heels of our New Mutants episode, and we're excited to jump right into it. So uh, thank you to the listener who suggested that. Uh, Until then, I am your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. (laughs) 